This morning we're going to talk about evangelism again in a somewhat uniquely different way. Last week after the sermon was over, I had a few of you tell me I never heard it presented like that. And that's good because I want you to think about this. I don't want you to just hear another sermon and go home and say, well, that was nice. Um, my goal whenever I present any kind of presentation to a group of people is my prayer and my aim is that somewhere between Sunday afternoon and the following Sunday morning, you will think about what we talked about on Sunday morning. If you can leave here and not have to think about what we discussed, then I failed. As, as a presenter and, and minister of the gospel, I failed. And so I really want to challenge you this morning to think with me about what evangelism really is. You know, as you look through the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, you're going to see people who had a reason for doing what they did. I, I shared this little graph with you last week because so many times we talk with people about what we want to do, or we talk with people about how we're going to do it, and we never really get to understanding why we do anything that we do. If I ask you this morning, uh, what do you think your purpose in life is, you could tell me, well, where you work or what you do, but a lot of us couldn't really tell us why we do anything that we do. And when it comes to this world of evangelism and the concept of taking the message of Jesus to other people, I'm not sure we think about why we should do it often enough. And I really believe with all of my heart that if we really understood the why and the reason underlying all of this, we would probably be more susceptible to sharing something about Jesus with other people on a much more frequent basis than what we currently do. So let's start with why. There's a verse of scripture that was read for you a few minutes ago from the book of Acts. Peter and John made a statement that we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. And I want you to think about that, and I want that to just sink in for a minute. Peter and John, two men who had spent about three years, give or take, with Jesus. They had seen him raise the dead. They'd seen him give sight to the blind. They've seen him cause those who couldn't walk to walk. They've seen him feed thousands upon thousands of people. They've seen him betrayed. They've seen him crucified. They've seen him resurrected. They've seen all of these things. They heard all of the messages that, that he presented repeatedly. And the message wasn't very different. The message of Jesus wasn't different from group to group to group. Do you remember what Jesus said was the greatest commandment of all? Love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind, all of your strength. What was the second commandment likened into it? Love your neighbor as yourself. And he told the apostles at one point in teaching them privately, he said, I, I give you a new command. And that new command was what? Do you remember? Love one another. That was his message. That was his message. And it didn't change. He never veered off course. That was the constant message under what Jesus operated in all of his teaching and healing and sharing. It was about love. And Peter and John saw that. They saw that. They heard all of that. They were eyewitnesses to all of that. And as a result, something happened in their lives. And they began to take on a new persona. Because if you know anything about these two men, they weren't exactly uh, apostle types when Jesus called them. Okay? Peter was a hothead. He just was. He would fly off the handle at things. He would do crazy stuff. Even while he was with Jesus, he did and said crazy things. And John was what? Do you remember what? He was called the son of what? 
son of thunder, which means he was probably an assassin. He was one of those, and I don't know if he actually was a physical assassin, but he was one of those who got really uptight because there were Romans who weren't doing what they should do, and they were trying to restore the kingdom of Israel and, and the earthly kingdom the way that they thought. And he had this perception of being a son of thunder. So Jesus took two men, radical and radically different personalities, and brought them to the point where they got this. We can't help but speak about what we've seen and heard. So it's not a matter of how or what we do. It's a matter of what we've seen and heard. And that causes us to have a deep-rooted and a deep-seated why we do anything that we do. When you think about your life in Christ, I pray to God that there's more to it than showing up here on Sunday morning. And I'm excited you're here. Every week, we have a, a group of people. It's a little different. It's all, it's a lot of it's the same. But every week, we come here, week after week. And the challenge, the true challenge in coming here week after week like this is it becomes routine. And we get so accustomed and acclimated to doing the same thing over and over. Some of you are probably freaking out right now because you didn't have the Lord's Supper before the sermon and you're wondering, how are you going to take the Lord's Supper? Because the habit is, we do all of that. And some of you are probably wondering, is it really scriptural to have the Lord's Supper separate from the, the offering? Because we've always put those together. Habit. Just habit. Why we do what we do. Why would you and I even be interested in evangelism? And I'm going to submit to you that you wouldn't be if you haven't seen or heard anything about Jesus. And so the real question is, have you seen Jesus? For those of you who have been to a youth encampment recently, you probably sang the song, Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? He's here in plain view. Really? Where is he? Just a plug for Jason's class, if those of you who are in the audience weren't in the class this morning before the worship hour started, you should be there next week because it's going to be a great class. But he alluded to the fact that everything, all things belong to God. Everything belongs to God. And he talked very briefly about what our life of work looks like and how Jesus is actually our supervisor and if he were physically with you at work, how would you be? And would you be any different than you are otherwise? Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? He's here in plain view. Is he? Is he? See, to me, that's the heart and core of all of this thing called evangelism. It's not knocking on doors. It's not having the right Bible study. It's not understanding the, the correct flow and the correct pattern of bringing someone to an understanding of Jesus so that they can be baptized in the right way. That has nothing to do with evangelism. It's all about Jesus. And it's about him being in our hearts and so deeply rooted and deeply ingrained in our thought process, in our life process, the essence of who we are 
that we cannot help but speak about him. And it's not quoting verses of scripture. It's not. How do people see you? When those who were bringing these charges against Peter and John saw them, they recognized and realized that these were unschooled and very ordinary men. There was nothing special about them. And yet they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. And when you wonder about what's going on in your life, they saw the courage that they had and they understood that these men had been influenced in a significant way because of Jesus. So where is Jesus? in your world. If I were to follow you or one of us were to follow you around, if, if we could be, I'm going to talk about this little camera. If we could be like this little camera and followed you around everywhere you went on the stage of your life, uh, what would we see? Where is Jesus? Here's the world we live in. No one seeks God. All have turned away. There's no one who does good, not even one. It's a pretty vile description of the world that Paul gives us in the book of Romans. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. Like the appointment or not, we saw some of that in the last few days. All kinds of misrepresentations by those who are supposed to be the leaders of our government. And from both sides of the aisle. Both sides. One side is not immune to it. And you want to know why? Because they're human. It's not because their political perspective is the correct one. It's because they're people. Just like me and just like you. And the only thing that changes any of that the only thing that changes any of that is the presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus. And so I submit to you Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, as the foundation of a life of an evangelist. Because you see, for those of us who understand what the fruit of the Spirit is, and that it is the presence of the love of God and Christ in our hearts that we share with others, um, there's no law against that. How do you regulate that? I've known people who grew up in the communist Eastern Bloc countries who have since moved to the United States. And, and, I, and I've heard their stories about living under the communist regime back before Reagan and Gorbachev decided the wall could come down and they would open up the world. And I know people who have lived and who have worked in China. I remember years ago when Lynn and I were in college, there was a guy who's the former president since passed away many years ago, but Dr. George Benson was a missionary in China when all of the communist revolution started there and he tried to stay in all of the persecutions he went through. And I remember Dr. K, and I don't remember his first name, but I remember Dr. K who would come to Harding and he would speak and he had this American civilization thing going on and, and, and it was a great program and he would talk about all of the, the harshness of what happened in China and the communist takeover. And yet through all of that, through it all, 
there are people there who love Jesus Christ. On another visit, 20 plus years after my years at college at Harding, I go back to the lectureship. I've only been back once in all my history. But on the year that I was there, there was a gentleman who was there who was speaking, and he was trying to raise some support for missionary efforts in China. And you want to know why? It's because he made a trip back to China, and in traveling on one of the trains from one city to another, he sat by a young lady, and they started a conversation. And the conversation eventually got into the faith in, in Jesus because that's why he was there. And this young lady said, I'm a member of the church and I am a Christian. And they started talking and come to find out this young lady was a member of a house church movement that had literally tens of thousands of people. And when he started talking with her and discussing their doctrine and their dogma and how they convert and how they save people, sure enough, it sounded just like, here, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Isn't it amazing what God can do? Uh, it's not called the Church of Christ, by the way. That name is not imperative. But the Spirit of Christ continued to live there and love was expressed and shared. And joy. How many of us are joyous in our walk with Jesus? And how many of us, if again, we were to follow you with a camera and videotape your life... How many of us would be able to express to others and those who are around us, or better yet, how many of us would have someone who is around us share with us that our joy has had a positive impact in their life? Uh, there's no law against joy. And peace. Trust me, the world is crazy. At any given time, somebody could pick up the phone or flip the red switch or turn on whatever the, the thing is and, and the whole world could be crazy because they could be lobbing nuclear armaments across the ponds and it would just be crazy in a moment. Or one little slip of something in one of the Gulf regions could, could cause a breakout of all kinds of things again and Javon wouldn't be here. They'd ship him overseas. But peace of Christ, the peace of God that passes all understanding uh, there's no law against that. And when you and I live our lives in such a way that there is a peace that truly passes understanding, and when people know, when they know all of the things that are going on in our lives, and yet we have this peace about us and this calmness and this gentleness about us that's almost inexplicable because anyone else would be beyond themselves and they would, be, and they would just be losing it. But we have peace. There's no law against that. And patience. Now, I don't like patience. Because if you want patience, God's going to give you something that's going to try your patience. Because the only way to learn how to have patience is to do something that causes you to have more of it. And it's hard to have patience sometimes. But when we can express and share and extend patience to someone in a Christ-like way, think of the benefits to the relationship with that person. And kindness. Lynn and I were sitting in Long Beach yesterday evening 
We stopped for dinner at a, a little restaurant right on Pine called Taco Beach. It's a great little place. They have the best fajitas in Long Beach. Great little restaurant. And we're sitting there, and about 10 minutes into our conversation, I hear all of this yelling and shouting, and I know that there's about to be a fight. And I get out of my chair, and I walk to the sidewalk just to see where it's at. Fortunately, it was in the restaurant next door. It wasn't in ours. Kindness and goodness. When those are, are our attributes and qualities of life extended to those around us, even, even when the typical environment would not call for it, what kind of influence may we have on those who are around us? How we respond to aggression matters. I sat down. There's a little store at the marina where we live, and I sat there. There's a guy that has a store. He keeps two chairs and four, or two tables and four chairs outside. So those of us who come to grab coffee or something, we can sit and chat, and it's kind of the, the local place for conversation. And I walk out yesterday morning waiting on Lynn to, or yesterday afternoon waiting on Lynn to get back from the lady sewing thing, and a couple of guys are sitting there, and I sit down, and one of the guys asks me, he says, well, what do you think? And I'm like, what do I think about what? And I knew what he was asking because he's an attorney. And I knew that, well, it's not so bad. And I knew that he was talking about the, the, the passing of the vote and all that kind of stuff. And I asked him this question. What do you believe I should think? And we chatted a few minutes. And I told him, I said, you know, the thing that strikes me is that how divisive the whole thing was and how much we really need a little more kindness and a little more goodness in our world. And then there's this faithfulness thing. And I'm just telling you guys, this one is going to be a tough one for us in the future weeks and months and years. Because the world isn't getting nicer. And I don't have a, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. And I don't have a crystal ball that tells us what's going on. But I just want you to think about where we were 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago as a people and where we are today. And I want you to think about where we've come as a group of people in our country 50 years ago to where we are today. And I want you to think about the challenges that could be before us in maintaining our faithfulness to Christ if we go down the slope as far in the next 50 years as we've come down the slope in the last 50 years. A dear friend of mine lives up in the San Jose area. We were chatting a couple of weeks ago, and he made a statement. He said, the blood of the martyrs are the seeds of faith. I want you to think about that again. The blood of the martyrs are the seeds of faith. 
I asked him this question. I said, why do you think the church grew so rapidly in the first few centuries? He says, because people got killed. And he answered it that quickly. He didn't even think about it. It wasn't the story of evangelism. It wasn't the story of repentance. It's because people got killed. It was because there were an enormous number of people who were martyred, who were placed in horrific circumstances, and there was a whole world around them that was watching all of those circumstances, and they saw the faith of the few martyrs, and they realized there's something to this thing. And if this individual can go through that and maintain his or her faithfulness and commitment to that person that they call Jesus, there must be something to this. And we're headed there. Like it or not, guys, we're headed there. Can you be faithful when the world around you is ready to throw you in before the lion's den? Or to come to the front of the building and bar the doors? Or to find some way to say, oh, you can't have that freedom anymore. Gentleness and self-control. Amazing qualities of someone who has been with Jesus. John, the son of thunder. In the later years of his life, the story is told. He's sitting, he stands with a crowd, and someone asks him, what's the most important thing? And he says, love one another. After all of those years of being the son of thunder, being the wild and crazy one, he finally got it. Love one another. You see, guys, evangelism isn't about what or how we do something. Evangelism is your life. It's that simple. It's about why you are who you are. And the real question is, have you seen Jesus? Have you heard his message and if you have seen him, and if you've heard the message, then how are you living your life? Love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of you have ever had a Bible study. You don't have to raise your hands, but I just want you to think about it. Had a Bible study with somebody who wasn't a believer. And oftentimes we have that Bible study believing and thinking and sometimes even successfully bringing them to some understanding of who Jesus is. Yes? And they make the decision, the good confession, if you will. And they obey the gospel. But I want you to think about this with me. How many more people have come to Christ because of the goodness of someone that they knew and because of the attitude of heart that we had towards someone. And they're like, how, do I, how, am I gonna, how, how do I get to be like you? How can you go through all of this and still be at peace? Where does that come from? Well, it comes from Jesus. It comes from seeing him 
and hearing him. And it comes from being like him. So this morning, I invite you to consider evangelism as a way of life. Not something that you do. It's something that you are. It is the essence of being in Christ. It is the essence of being Christ. Paul wrote this and he said this, it is not me, it's not I that live any longer, but what? It is Christ who lives where? In me. We have clothed ourselves in him. We have put him on. And now when people see us, they don't need to see Ed Bush. They need to see Jesus. They don't need to to see Ken. They don't need to see Kathy. They don't need to see Earl. They don't even need to see Brandon. They need to see Jesus. And when they see Jesus living through you, it will be an invitation to them to find Jesus. That is evangelism. Now, there will be an evangelist or two that has the ability to stand and preach and go and teach and knock on doors and all that kind of stuff, and I'm great and I'm excited we have some of those. But I'm here to tell you that most of us don't fit that description. But all of us should be this. All of us should be this. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So let's be in the lifting business. Does that make sense? Let's be in the lifting business and lifting him up by the lives that we live. That's all I'm asking you to do. So evangelism is pretty simple. It's not about what you do or how you do it. It's about why you are who you are. Have you seen Jesus? Have you heard him? And if you have... Is his presence in your life making a difference in how you live? That's all evangelism is. And I invite you to make sure that Jesus is truly living through you, in you, all about you, so that when others are around you, they see Jesus. And oh, by the way, it just happens to be in a representation that looks somewhat similar to you. Fair enough? So this morning we're going to sing a song to encourage one another. Brandon is going to come and lead us in in the song. I love to tell the story. I think that's what it is. And the story can be told in many, many ways. Most especially can be told just in your general life of living. Not quoting scripture. If you want to, that's cool. If you want to memorize it, God bless you. But it's not quoting scripture. It's just in living. So let's tell the story every day. Just a little bit. Just a little bit every day. And let's see where God works in the lives of people that we get to touch on a regular basis. Let's encourage one another as we sing this song. I love to tell the story of unseen things.